This week, Derek Chauvin is to be put to trial for the unintentional murder of George Floyd and two new revelations that reveal some interesting character choices by now former President Donald Trump. My name's Noah Huey, and this is Under the Stars. Welcome back to another week. Uh, this week, we've got a, a, a pretty interesting range of topics. There was a lot of things initially um, that I had put in the show, but I've, I've cut them out, and we've just got about five things to talk about, so it's not much. So, before we begin, I'd like to remind you real quick to follow the uh, podcast's Instagram. That's at under the stars pod. That's at U-N-D-E-R-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-S-P-O-D. That's at under the stars pod. You can also support the show by checking out my merch or my books and stuff in the shop section of my website, which is available. Uh, the link's in my bio, uh, but it's if you just search up Under the Stars with No Huey, it's like the fourth thing down there. So, uh, first piece of news, and they've already picked out much of the jury for uh, former uh, Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. They're picking out his jury, I believe. I think they may be finished. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he... They, they were setting up to begin the trial earlier this week. So crowds of protesters, this from NPR. So crowds of protesters brought the eyes of the nation back to Minnesota over the weekend as demonstrations took place in downtown Minneapolis outside the governor's home in St. Paul at the, at the Hennepin County Government Center where the trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin is scheduled to begin Monday morning. Is this thing? Sorry, I'm going to mess with the camera real quick. Okay. Monday morning. Um... It didn't stop recording, did it? No. Um, Chauvin stands accused of killing George Floyd and faces charges including second-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter, and possibly third-degree murder. Uh, we now know that is for certain. That has been... The the uh, court has decided to, conti or to continue to try him for that charge as well. In the eyes of racial justice advocates across the globe, the outcome of Chauvin's trial will serve as a bellwether for whether or not police who can... Be, who can who kill can be held accountable. Jury selection for the trial is uh, set, set to begin uh, 9 a.m. each day starting Monday, a process which could take as long as three weeks. Potential jurors will be questioned first by Hennepin, Hennepin County Judge Peter Cahill and then by the attorneys, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison on behalf of the state and Eric Nelson in Chauvin's defense. The former officer was caught on video last May, pinning his knee to the neck of Floyd for nearly nine minutes as he laid on the pavement in handcuffs. Chauvin was arrested four days later and initially charged with second-degree manslaughter, capped at 10 years in prison, and third-degree murder, no more than 25 years. Um, public outrage over the event grew in the days that followed, and Ellison, alleging that Chauvin had used unauthorized restraint technique, added a second-degree murder charge, the former officer's most serious offense. It carries a prison sentence of no more than 40 years, but to get the charge to stick, the state will have to prove Chauvin killed Floyd. Winning a, convi a conviction will, say, will be hard, I say this not because I doubt our resources are, 
or our ability. In fact, we're confident in what we're doing, but history shows does show that there are clear challenges here, Ellison told NPR. Um, police officers are protected by so-called qualified immunity, a legal pr principle designed to protect government officials against lawsuits unless the individual violated a plaintiff's clearly established constitutional rights, according to Cornell Law School. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020 passed the House last week, which would make it easier to prosecute police misconduct cases. Um, last October, Cahill threw out Chauvin's third-degree murder charge, but a panel of appeals judges reversed the dismissal on Friday. The panel uh, argued Cahill hadn't followed precedent and ordered the judge to reconsider the charges. It's unclear whether or not last-minute change will delay the proceedings. Um, I'm going to pull this mouse a little closer to me. Um, I don't remember if I talked about the George Floyd thing. Um, about that situation in general. I believe I did. I know I... No, I talked about... Um, Ahmed. I His name's not Avery, or was not Avery. Um, which, actually, that's that's created a push to get rid of the... Um, I forget what it is, where citizen... It's a citizen's arrest, I think it is. Which is what the... Um, the people who, who killed him tried to claim they were doing. <laughs> Um, but in terms of this specific situation, hold on, <coughs> yeah, excuse me, um, in terms of the Floyd case, uh, it's pretty interesting because there's been some, well, first of all, it's a highly partisan thing. Um, people on both sides of the aisle would much rather you believe a certain thing than just figure out what the truth is. Because the truth seems to be a little bit confusing. Um, Black Lives Matter, the organization, I should say. Because I, I, I think I've come out in support of, of the term. I mean, I believe that's an inherently true statement. Um, I also believe that the statement that all lives matter, that is also an inherently true statement. They are, they are both true because of one another. Um, um, people don't like to hear that. It, it doesn't make them feel like they're powerful gods of reality, which is ultimately what most people who talk about this subject want to feel like. Um, but, so, so yeah, there's lots of partisan nonsense that surrounds it, because people on both sides of the aisle want you to think a certain way to protect their ideological be uh, beliefs. Um, they're not as concerned about what the truth is here. Um, but if you look into the information, um, which luckily both sides of the aisle are able to present all that information for you. You just have to be remember to pay attention to both of them and see what they both say so that you can get an idea of what, what really went down. I, I, that's why I, I make this as a joke, but I really do this. When I watch the news in the morning, I, I switch through at least two channels. I, I'm either, I'm constantly switching through Fox News and CNN. I switch between them, but I also watch everything in between. Um, and listen and read and everything in between. I just, for the show, in terms of, like, what I'm linking, after reading, like, three articles, I'll just pick the one that um, I think will help me easily remember my the, the points I want to make when I'm talking about it. Um, and sometimes it's just something like this where it's just stating information. So, but, so, yeah, there's a lot of partisanship in it. And to get the full spectrum of what happened, you got to really, you got to hear what everyone says. Because... Believe me when I say, if if they think it'll make the other side look like Satan, both sides of the aisle will go to the farthest extents to find things that makes the other side look bad or wrong. Um, and sometimes that means they falsify evidence 
um, for or against a certain thing. Um, but I, I, I've checked this before. I checked it after I saw it, and I, it is true, or, or I believe it's true. I don't remember what the conclusive, what the conclusion was, but um, George Floyd. There's this supposition that he had been taking, I believe it was fentanyl, um, like literally seconds before um, uh, Chauvin and others had arrived and pulled him out of his car in the now infamous body cam footage. Um, I, I don't remember if they had made the claim because their their their, asso- their assumption was well it's it's fast acting and it's what killed him, but uh, I. I'm not sure how much I believe that only because there is some liable evidence to prove that in, in the body cam footage, actually, when Floyd turns back around, when Chauvin goes to grab him, um, you can see something in his mouth. I mean, clear, I mean, he didn't chew up his tooth and it ended up in this part of his tongue. So clearly there's something in there, but that could, as far as like in terms of quality of, if you look at the video, that could have easily been like a mint as it, 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 that could have been a mint or fentanyl either way. And, uh, you wouldn't really be able to pay, tell the difference. So I don't know how much courts take that into account. And I'm, in fact, I, I, I'll bet you that may get brought up. I'm sure when this trial starts officially going underway, I'm sure that all these points will start coming back up again. I'm just going them off the top of my head. Um, so I'm sure all this stuff will come back up again. Um, so there is the, the supposition that Floyd, uh, could have, uh, been, could have taken something that would have impaired him. Um, but I believe anything he could have taken that was like that, essentially fentanyl, um, would have had to have the aid of, of Chauvin's, um, abrasive, uh, uh, submission tactic, um, to, to kill him. And on the flip side, this this supposition by some some people on the right to say that that type of um, uh, tactic of submission doesn't work to kill someone by itself is wrong. Uh, it was actually used against I forget his name, uh, a white man in August of like 2017 or 2018, I believe, maybe 2019. But there was a man who was killed that exact same way, um, as, as some white guy named I don't remember what his name was. I believe it was in California. Um, he was killed that exact same way, same, same pose and everything. Um, but I, I, so I, I would, I would say that that by itself could kill him, but I, I don't know how much into that they may get. Um, all I know is that these are points that people on the internet will make. Um, people, you know, in your life who are maybe your parents. Well, I don't know how many of you get into politics with your parents as much as I do. Um, but, um, I just know that these are points I've heard before, and I'm just trying to figure out, like, how much of it do I believe or not? Because here's the thing. People will politicize and already have politicized this issue. Are you kidding me? This is like, this was the catalyst of the Black Lives Matter um, organization's work for up until the 2020 election. Um, and uh, uh, I, I suppose it worked. I'm not sure. President Biden kind of like flipped them off and never invited them to the White House that I know of, unless he did. I think he might have later. Um, But the truth is, um, I think there are tons of factors that are playing in here in terms of like 
like Floyd, he had charges against him. They had reason to go and get him. They didn't just pull him out of a random car because they didn't like him. Um, so let's not let's not kid ourselves here and say Flo- like George Floyd was some uh, hero of of nobility and truth. Um, but that doesn't make him not a father. I mean, he was a father. He was a brother. Um, ultimately, George Floyd was just like every other person in the entire country. Uh, as much as people, people don't like associating themselves with certain people. Like I call, I, I constantly say in politics, everyone in politics is more like Donald Trump than they want to admit. Um, that really gets on people's nerves and it's because they don't want to think of themselves as someone who is lesser than them. Now, some people would be happy to hear that, but there are some people who would look at him as lesser than them ideologically. They would look at him like an idiot and they're like, I'm not stupid, but you probably are. I mean, chances that you don't think in such a self-righteous, ideologically driven way is, like, your chances are 15 to 1, at least. Um, if not 15,000 to 1. But, anyways. So, George Floyd was just an average guy, but he did do some things that were, that police had to tend to. Uh, the, the issue arose then when he was under the subjugation of Officer Chauvin and the others. Um held him down. Floyd claims he can't breathe. Obviously that was true because he died. So obviously that was true. Um, but I think, um, the problem is, and I hate this about, it's so weird about courts. Like we look at courts and we always say, get the justice, get the justice. And we say when we don't win, we're like, oh, the justice wasn't served. Um, but the thing is, the thing about courts is we're, you know, that our concept, our concept of courts is that, when people have a dispute, they go to court and have a third party, a third independent party, um, review it. Um, even government does this to, to dispute or to, um, yeah, I guess to dispute these, these, pro- um, product or these problems they have, the issues they have in life. And yeah, a, a cop killing a guy, um, who was not supposed to be, who was not acting in a means that, uh, um, required death of the of the, um, of the now deceased. Yeah. That's something you want to face in court. But the thing is in court there, there, there is a politics of law, um, unfortunately. Uh, and what I mean by that is that like people don't like, for instance, I've always, even when I was little, but like, even now I've always thought about like in court when you're a lawyer and you're given the, the job to represent someone, what do you do when you know they are guilty of a crime? Do you really go and try and get them? And that's where, you know, we think of the sly fox of a lawyer thing. Like, that's, lots of lawyers do that. And I'm not saying they all do, obviously. There are plenty of good people that go in, and if they know someone's wrong, they're not going to pre- uh, represent them. Um, <clears throat> but, um, but it's just an interesting concept. I'm wondering, like, like... My thing is, I feel like a lot of these uh, Black Lives Matter protesters, a lot of these people may be upset if Chauvin's charges are lessened even a little bit. Even if they find that there was a drug in Floyd's system that had it not been there, um, he likely wouldn't have been as affected by the next thing. And I don't know how much of that's true. I'm not any biologist by no means. But if that were to be true and and the sentence were like okay we'll lift it a little bit since it wasn't entirely your fault um i feel like people would be like justice wasn't served even though clearly it was like if that turned out to be true then that's true you don't get to say that like i feel like 
people want to completely destroy this man. And I understand it. I mean, it's, it's understandable to every extent. But um, if you jump to that, let's destroy it because it, it makes me angry, that's, that's a very unintelligent, very reckless path to go down um, in terms of justice. Justice is not make me happy. Justice is do the right thing. Um, and sometimes the right thing doesn't make you happy. In fact, it may make you angry. Um, but that's just how real life works. You don't get what you want. In fact, m most of the time, what you want is bad. Um, most what of what you want is selfish and, and, and pointless. Um, at least that's the way I see it. Um, that most of our personal desires, they're not, they don't mean anything. So why should we somehow feel like we are, we are give we have a right to have them? Like usually our, our personal desires take from the rest of the world. And if you're not doing something that's going to contribute to, to the rest of the world, to history, to whatever, then what, why are you here? What's, I mean, it seems kind of pointless. Um, but we, we are a very stupid, trivial little species, um, human beings. So we tend to look at like, like in this situation, since that's what I'm talking about, um, we'll look at officer Chauvin and we'll be like, I hate him. I want him to get, I want him to get smashed into the ground by the law and then spit on the law and then stepped on by the law and then kicked to New Jersey by the law. I don't know why New Jersey was the first thought, but then, you know, I want him to be completely obliterated. It's like, yeah, I do too. I'm mad too. But what if it turns out he's not entirely responsible for the death? What if for some reason for somehow drugs are involved and that played a part in his death? Then we would be sentencing this man for, um, we would be giving him the same type of punishment. We, we, we would be punishing him for the, the character he took out for taking drugs. Like, that doesn't make sense. You, you, don't, you don't punish someone for something they literally did not do whatsoever. It makes no sense. That's, but the thing is, human beings, like I said, we're a trivial little species. Our idea of justice is just winning. It's that, it's that whole political mindset that I've always talked about on the show where winning is the main prospect and unfortunately that corrupts our mindsets like we oh i'm sorry we think um quite idiotically that i feel good my ideology makes me happy it makes sense to me therefore it is noble therefore it is just if it's not created in law done by government and kept that way for the rest of my life if not the rest of time it's not right it's evil but that concept is inherently broken um, but it's a universally human concept. It's why it's so popular in politics, I believe. I believe politics is so um, insanely corrupted by partisanship because partisanship is, is I think, in a sense, human. It, it's, it's a trait we all share. And I, I still fight with, I'll look at something, I'll be like, that's noble, that's just, I'll, I'll still see things that I ideologically just don't like. Um, take abortion, for example. I'm Personally, in my personal life, I'm heavy anti-abortion. I think you should get abortion for any reason whatsoever on earth. But there's there are lots of um, technicalities to that 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 make me go, you don't get that. You don't. I don't care if it makes you happy. Here's the thing: you have a right to happiness, or you don't have a right to happiness. That's that's what I meant to say. You have a right to pursue happiness, but you don't have a right to happiness. You don't just get to be happy and get to get everything you want because sometimes what you want will hurt someone else. And if your, if your contempt, if your happiness comes at the expense of someone else's rights, um, then you don't deserve it. 
Um, point being that should something come out of this trial where Chauvin's, where we have sufficient evidence to say, you know, uh, it's not entirely Chauvin's fault, I'm worried that there's going to be tons of anger around that. And justifiably so, but at the same time, if it if we can prove without a without a shadow of a doubt that that the death of George Floyd was not entirely on the fault of Officer Chavin, uh, then that's just how it is. Y- you don't get that. You justice is not making you happy. Justice is affirming the truth and administering punishment to those uh, who committed a wrongdoing based on the truth, not based on how we perceive them. Um, I, I don't care how you perceive anyone. Um, your perception of reality is more than it is not uh, false. It's based on your experiences and perhaps experiences you like. It's all, it's all bun- a bunch of personalized crap. And it is not going to be the final determination of what reality is. You have, you have to take into account the other people involved in reality. You don't get to be king of the world, and you never will. And thank God for that. We've seen the results of people who called themselves kings. They ruled like tyrants, and they destroyed the lives of thousands upon millions upon billions of human beings. So it's a great thing that your perception of reality is not the final say. Um, and that's what makes, that what's, that's what, like the plus side to courts. So, overall, what I'm saying is, as this trial unfolds and all these partisan, political, personalized opinions start coming up, and they start trying to tell you to think one way or another because they think it, because they're passionate about it, respect that passion, obviously. Res- be respectful, come on. But um, don't just take your, pers- your personal perception or the perception of other people as the final word. Um, if... It's a matter, really, of coming to grips with what you believe the truth to be. And who knows? Maybe maybe some lawyers will pull off some, some uh, scummy tricks and Chauvin will get off even though there's more evidence, it seems, towards the other direction. That's where opinions come in and all that. But the point being, if you're not going to be respectful about it and try, and your goal isn't to just know whatever the truth is, regardless of how you want the outcome to be of the case, that is more important than your personal desires for the outcome of the case. Um, to apply those personal desires as if they are more important than the, the reality of the situation would be um, dishonest and crude. And unfortunately, political, the political engines in our society will try and do that. And they'll want you to do that too um, because they're going to use this... They're, they're going to milk this situation for votes in the midterm elections. Um, so, Trump, I don't know how, but former President Donald Trump finds new ways to admonish his own character um, and credibility. So, for the whole election, even after a little while, Trump hammered mail-in ballots. Well, and as it turns out, they talked about this, but so, way, way back in August, and this was news then, but apparently it's recycling now because I, I hadn't heard about this back in August. Um, so, Trump hammered um, mail-in ballots. But in Florida, after months of questioning the security of the method of voting, he 
casted a vote by mail ballot. Um, and in doing so, he returned it to election officials using a technique many Republicans say should be illegal. Um, this is also from NPR, actually. So the way Trump voted shows how he's had a, a, a walk. He's had to walk a fine line. Um, he's often, and I think this is true, he's often had to um, I don't know. I've completely lost what I was going to say there. Uh, Trump submitted the Florida primary ballot by giving it to a third party to return. A spokesperson for the Palm Beach election supervisor told NPR on Wednesday, Republicans often um, derisively um, derisively, derisively, yeah, I said it right the first time, refer to sending a ballot this way as ballot harvesting. Um, on Twitter in April, he called get rid of ballot harvesting. This is rampant with fraud. House Republicans recently introduced a bill, back in August actually, back in August were introduced a bill to force states um, to make a practice of returning or of turning in a non-family member's ballot illegal because, like they said, they call that... Um, Ballot, they, they call it ballot harvesting, which understand, which I get why, but if you're going to do it, you can't call it ballot harvesting if, if you're going to do it. So Democrats who often refer to the practice as community ballot collection mostly see it as helpful for vulnerable populations. One person turning in all the ballots for a nursing home or housing complex, for instance, they are suing it uh, to allow it in a number of states as part of a legal battle to make voting rules more flexible across the country in response to the pandemic. Voting experts are split about third parties returning ballots. Some administrators argue that if an elections office off offers things to make returning a ballot easier, such as prepaid ballot postage and ballot drop boxes, then third party ballot collection needn't be banned. Others argue that it's fair and reasonable to limit the number of ballots one person can turn in, as many states do. Um, the largest case of election fraud in recent U.S. history took place during the 2018 midterm elections and involved third-party ballot collection. A GOP operative illegally collected and potentially tampered with ballots in, in a U.S. House race in North Carolina, eventually leading state authorities to overturn the, the election results. Um, what's important to me here is really Trump. So Trump, like many of his Republican allies, um, has called that ballot harvesting. Um, yet he enacted it in August, months after he had done it before, or after he'd criticized it, and months after that, obviously, he, he continued to say mail-in mail -in, mail -in voting was, um, was fraud. Um, and ultimately, I think it really admonishes his credibility here, because... Let's be honest, as I've said before, Trump really wants the GOP and ultimately he wants America to see him as the next Abraham Lincoln. He wants to be God. He wants to be studied in, 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 in uh, history classes for generations to come. I think he's I think he may be some form of narcissistic, but I, th I just think in general he's self-righteous and crude. Um, he places his party before his country and he places himself before his party. Um, he has an ego the size of of Saturn, um, and he's got, let's be honest, he's got an ego the size of Jupiter times 50 million, but, um, ultimately, this really wrecks his credibility, and now, obviously, this was news back in August, so the fact that I didn't see this circulating around back then really surprises me, but I thought it was interesting to talk about, just because Trump still is holding on to his control over the GOP, 
he wants to own the Republican Party because he views himself as the leader now. He wants to be the leader. He likes that power. He likes that image. Um, and so to have his credibility wrecked in such a massive way really catches me off guard. Um, I feel like he wouldn't be so stupid and so reckless to do that after months of calling it election fraud. So either he's stupid or he's a hypocrite. And I, I would say the latter. Um, I Listen, as much as you may not like him, I don't think Donald Trump is a massive idiot. I think he is an idiot, but I don't think he's a massive idiot. He's not that dumb. I think he's just a massive hypocrite. Um, and I think he I think he views Republican voters as stupid. I think he looks down at Republican voters like complete morons. And ultimately, most politicians do this anyway. At least, especially, and political parties do this for sure. They think they think Americans are some of the dumbest people on earth. But um, which, to be fair, we haven't proven them wrong. But that doesn't mean we can't. Um, but they they really know it. And instead of trying to help, they they abuse it and use it to their power. Um, and Trump does the same thing. And that's what I've been trying to convey to a lot of my hardcore Republican friends. Trump is no different from any politician that's ever been in office ever. Same thing goes for like Madison Cawthorn types. People look at these people and go, ah, now there's real change. Like, no, listen, after studying over 200 years of history and watching how politicians act and work, especially these partisan politicians, it's very, very obvious that Donald Trump and Madison Cawthorn and all these, and like Matt Gates, they're all classic politicians. They are not different from any politician on the face of the earth. Stop convincing yourself that they are because they tell you that. It, it's all, like, that's, that's the peak of, of political manipulation at the hands of ideological supremacy. They're using your desire to take away the rights of other people that you don't like to, to give themselves power. Um, and, and Trump is no exception to that rule. Trump is the epitome of partisan politics. Um, and he's a hypocrite, so that makes sense too. The parties are massive hypocrites themselves. Um, uh, before we get to the next piece of news, though, I would like to remind you to follow the Instagram. That's at under the stars pod. That's at U N D E R T H E S T A R S P O D. That's at under the stars pod. You can support the show by um, finding merch and my books in the shop section of the website. Make sure to check that out. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, make sure to listen to the podcast on Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, that would also be really helpful for me. Thanks so much. Um, so, now, let's jump to present day. And this is still Trump we're talking about. But let's, let's jump to present day. Um... This is an article from Vanity Fair. There's a lot of opinion in this, but um, I'm going to read it anyway because I think I'll, I'll cover it and I'll, I'll get to what I believe. So, um, as you've probably heard by now, Donald Trump left the White House in debt to the, to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars with a significant chunk of money coming just two years, just two short years from now. As my colleague Bill Cohen has noted, the ex-president personally guaranteed his debts, meaning that if he didn't pay them, which is pretty much his thing, his creditors can seize his assets, including Mar-a-Lago, where he currently lives. Would they go after Mar-a-Lago? Bedminster? Trump National Doral, Miami? Anything's possible. Unfortunately for Trump, thanks to the events of January 6, 2021, corporate America doesn't want to touch him with a 3,000-foot pole, and he cannot rely on sources of income he assumed were in the bag, like the hosting the PGA Championship. Of course, there's a very real possibility he could sell state secrets to United States enemies, a prospect current and former government officials are reportedly gr 
girding for, though that would have required him to pay attention whatsoever during his intelligence briefings, which we know he rarely did, which that, as much as that sounds like a personal jab, it, it, that is true as it turns out. Luckily for the world's most infamous con man, though, he seems to have identified a new grift, diverting money from the party he's the de facto head of into his own pocket. Per the Hill, former President Trump encouraged donors to give money to his Save America PAC instead of to Republicans, he dubbed rhinos, Republicans in name only, in another departure from traditional GOP campaign operations. No more money for rhinos, Trump said in a statement late Monday, referring to Republicans in name only. They do not nothing but hurt the Republican Party and our great voting base. They will never lead us to greatness. Send your donation to Save America PAC at DonaldJTrump.com. The statement continued, we will bring back... We will bring it all back stronger than ever before. The statement came days after Trump's lawyers sent a case and decease, a cease and desist letter, desist letter to the Republican National Committee, um, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and the National Republican Congressional Committee to stop using his name and likeness for fundraising and merchandise sales. The three groups represent the largest fundraising bodies for the GOP. Um, so this is really pathetic to me. And this further insinuates the um, assumption I, I, I'm making here, the assessment I'm making here, I should say, about Trump's character of hypocrisy and how he looks down at Republican voters. And this also plays into what I was just saying 10 seconds ago about how he manipulates the American people just as much as every other politician on the face of the earth ever has. He wants you to think that he's this Washington outsider who's going to save the country, but he's not. He's he's just as corrupt and self-righteous and ideologically driven as every uh, ideologue and, and near tyrant that the country has ever seen run become, to become president or become a member of the Senate or the House of Representatives. Um, everything he ever told his voting base about being this Washington outsider who wouldn't play by Washington's rules and all that nonsense, it was all a lie. Every rule, quote-unquote, sorry, every rule, quote-unquote, that Donald Trump has played by um, to in terms of how they enact in that manipulating a voting base, using the voting bases, unintelligence against them as a means of manipulation, using their over emotional status, because we are a very emotional society, using that to their advantage to control how they think, how they act, and ultimately how they vote, which is the most important one for them. And now to control where they send their money. Um, it just goes to show that Donald Trump was no different than any other down-low politician who was willing to use your unintelligence against you and over manipulate your emotions, which they knew you would not have control over, to get your money and to get your vote and to make you act a certain way and to ensure that you would stay loyal to them so that they could keep power for the rest of time. I mean, Donald Trump has followed that playbook rule by rule. There is nothing different about him. I don't understand how you could possibly see a difference in him. Other than he's a jerk, which most politicians try not to be jerks, but he doesn't care. I mean that that to me highlights that I that he thinks you're like like complete morons. The fact that he's willing to be so brazenly horrible and still have such support and know that he'll have such support shows that he really thinks you are some of the dumbest people on earth. I I, I believe that to some extent. I don't know how much of that is actually true, but given the context of his actions makes me believe to an extent that Donald Trump views his supporting base as some of the biggest idiots on the planet. And unfortunately, we have not proved him or any other party on the planet wrong, that we are idiots who are over-emotional, who cannot control our feelings, and so we are easily manipulated. We're very gullible. And ultimately, we've never proved him or any party or political engine who's manipulated us for the last 200 years wrong. 
Um, I believe if we don't prove them wrong soon, they'll completely destroy the country, which they're already doing, but that's besides the point. The, 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 the takeaway I'm, I'm trying to get to here with uh, Trump and these last two bits of news about him is that everything we believed about him, I believed about him, was wrong. He, he's just as ardent of a manipulator uh, and of an abuser of the, of the, now the pockets, the work, the ethic of the American people as anyone else. Every lie, every Washington outsider story he ever told us was all a, a, a face, a ploy to get us to think a certain way so that we would give him power and now money because he's in massive debt. And I think it's pathetic. I think it's stupid that we fell for such an ardent trick. And I think if, if we don't start waking up, I hate saying that, but if we don't start if we don't start waking up to the reality around us, we will continue to be used as 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 uh, as pawns for the political power and economic gain of political engines and people who hold their ideological supremacy and their personal uh, finances higher to them than the duty of preserving our natural rights as they were intended to do as prescribed by the constitution of the United States. And uh, I think it's, I think it's, a, it's very upsetting. It's very unfortunate too. So uh, a migrant flow is surging for the first time in five years on the Southern border. Republicans are enraged and the white house seems to be pretty much unconcerned by it. So this is from CNN. So U S authorities arrested and encountered more than a hundred thousand migrants on the U S Mexico border over the past past few past four weeks, excuse me, ending on March 3rd, according to data obtained by CNN, marking the highest levels for the same time frame in five years. The number of migrants arrested on the southern border has been increasing in recent weeks, causing alarm among some officials as they scramble to provide resources for the increase in minors and families who are unlawfully crossing to the U.S. The surge in migrants adds a growing sense of emergency for the Biden administration, which has been seeking to unwind the Trump administration's immigration policies over that time. Quote, February was unprecedented compared to the last five years, a Homeland Security official told CNN. Single adults make up the biggest portion of apprehensions, but the percentage of families and children jumped last month, according to the official. Since last April, Customs and Border Protection has, since, has seen an increase in border encounters from the Western Hemisphere due to worsening economic conditions brought on by the pandemic and natural disasters in the region, according to the Border Agency. Border arrivals typically arise in the spring, but the COVID-19 pandemic has um, exacerbated, exacerbated the situation and further limited the capacity along the border uh, to process migrants. Last year, the numbers dropped in March and April as the pandemic took hold and travel restrictions were put in place. At the time, as the pandemic gripped the country, the Trump administration invoked public health law, allowing border officials to turn away migrants apprehended at the border, which is still in effect under the Biden administration. However, under the Biden administration, unaccompanied children are exempt from the order and are allowed to remain in the U.S. pending immigration cases. Some families and others have also been allowed to remain in the U.S. due to changes in Mexican policy and case-by-case -case determinations. CNN has reached out to DHS and CBP for comment. A CBP uh, spokesperson 
previously said the unique challenges of the pandemic require additional authorities, such as the CDC order known as Title 42 to allow DHS to effectively protect both the health and the safety of migrants and our communities from the spread of COVID-19. The border is not open, and the vast majority of people are being returned under Title 42. CNN reported Monday that the number of unaccompanied migrant children in the U.S. Border Patrol facilities were akin to jail cells not intended for kids has reached dramatic heights, highs, according to internal agency documents reviewed by CNN, uh, underscoring the urgent challenge facing the Biden administration. So, um, Republicans and the right, and, and Trump more specifically, have been demanding uh, that the Biden administration declare this a national emergency. That's how they view it. Um, and, and Trump is spouting mostly rhetorical nonsense, though some of it has some truth to it, let's be honest here, um, for political points, which is what a lot of people are doing, which is very unfortunate. They're putting their political supremacy over the very present issue going on here. So, first of all, let's just talk to ourselves here. Let's get this settled out before we get on to what the Biden administration is doing and how everyone's responding. So, would we describe this as some form of... Um, crisis. I would say so. I think it's safe to say that. Um, I still think that border, I think our immigration policy is frankly stupid. I think it needs to be reformed. Um, stuff like the Title 42, I believe, is necessary at times. Um, and I think now is one of those times. But um, I also believe stuff like, if you look at the facilities that these people stay at, the supposed cages that children are staying in, that, mind you, were built by Obama, used by Trump, and are continually continuously used by the Biden administration, too. Um, but people only you only mentioned them because they wanted to have, again, political points against Trump. So everyone's putting their ideological supremacy ahead of reality, as they have for hundreds of years. But um, uh, I would call this an, a very major problem, um, because we've got a not a great system, and now it's seeing an onslaught of migrants, and now we've got um, pandemic going on. We've got issue after issue after issue, and it's all piling up at once, and it's creating, I would say, uh, a crisis at the border. Um, I think that's where Trump may have had some things right in terms of that. I also, like, I think I mentioned this before, I also think he, he got a lot of stuff right about China, but I think Trump may have been onto something at the southern border. I just don't think he did the right things always, but I think he was onto something. Um, I think he made some. He was on to the right uh, path in terms of there are too many illegal immigrants coming in and ripping off the United States system for personal benefit. Now, granted, that's for very wide, um, varied reasons. You know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people. They're not all coming for the exact same reason, okay? That's the dumbest assumption you can possibly make. That The dumbest assumption you can possibly make in politics or in life is that all of one group of people or all people or all this or all that or all of anyone can be anything. Um, you know, and that applies to uh, racial prejudices, gender prejudices, human prejudices. When people say... Um, ACAB, all cops are, um, I say bad because I don't like saying the actual word. It's a very crude word, but that, like, that doesn't all cops on the entire planet 
are horrible people. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like that, that's a statistical improbability. And I get that most people recognize that, but why would you say it then? Because that's the implication. Like it's a very stupid implication, but people don't care because it's all about political points and personal superiority and ideological superiority. People care more about winning than they do doing the right thing. And I think the right thing in terms of our southern border is change the system, but don't just let people waltz in because you think it's nicer that way. I don't care if it's nice. I care about protecting the people inside and making it efficient for people to get in if they've got the right stuff. However, I think we, first of all, I think it's way too expensive. I think that the um, facilities people st illegal stay at, or are kept at, I should say, the facilities that, that illegals are kept at are horrible. I think they need to be changed. Um, and I think also, I don't think we put enough money down there. Um, and we certainly aren't doing it now. And I don't think a wall is going to solve that issue either. I think that's more of a, that was, that was Trump's political point to put ideological supremacy before anything else. Um, and, uh, compassion, the word compassion is the Biden administration's political point that they're going to use to blind you to the reality. They want you to feel good. So they're not going to show you what's really going on. But what's really going on is that there's a massive crisis going on. We've got a, uh, we've got a fairly ineffective system piled onto a swath of migrants that we haven't seen in nearly um, half a decade. And now we've got a pandemic on top, of all, on top of all of that, and it's all causing massive issues. And I think if the Biden administration doesn't start really cracking down and doing something about it, <laughs> it's going to get so much worse. And uh, it would be disappointing to see... Um, and in that sense, I, I agree with the Republicans that, that the Biden administration needs to do something. I just don't think it's necessarily the exact thing they want to do. Because, again, a lot of that policy of what they want to do is, in fact, uh, powered by their ideolog their desire, I should say, their aspiration for ideological supremacy. Um, they would rather do something that, that makes them feel good, that makes them win, than they would just do that makes sense. Um, which 99.999% of the time you'll get if you mix the solutions of both Democrats and Republicans, of both the left and the right, um, if you mix the solutions. That's where you get solutions that we could actually apply here in the real world. Um, but as we've learned, <clears throat> excuse me, as we've learned, political parties and the and political ideologies, they don't live in the real world. <clears throat> excuse me. So... Our final piece of news, President Biden signs the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief bill, says in his first prime time address, the country will see hopefully normalcy by July 4th. Hmm, interesting. So, President Joe Biden announced he will direct states to make all adults ages 18 and up eligible for coronavirus vaccines by May 1st. Biden, in his first prime time address to the nation, said that Americans should hopefully be able to enter in small should be able to gather in small groups and celebrate the 4th of July. The speech comes hours after Biden signed into law the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, which he had strongly pursued in his first 50 days in office. This is going to be one of his biggest political points. Democrats are going to be using this for the midterm elections. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, whether or not that's justified, I'm not entirely sure. 50-50. Eh, so, President Joe Biden announced Thursday evening that he will direct states to make all adults ages 18 and up eligible for the coronavirus vaccines May 1st. Biden, his first prime minister of the nation, set a goal for Americans to their friends on July 4th. Um, if we do our part, this country will be vaccinated soon, our economy will be out of the mend, our kids will be back in school, and we'll have proven once again that this country can do anything, Biden said. But, quote, 
if we don't stay vigilant and if the conditions change, then we may have to reinstate restrictions to get back on track, Biden added. And please, we don't want to do that again. We've made so much progress, this is not the time to let up. Just as we're emerging from the dark winter into a hopeful spring and summer, now is not the time to stick with... is not the time to not stick with the rules, he said. Biden also said in the speech that his administration in May will launch a website to help people find nearby vaccination sites and that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention will issue new guidance about health and safety for those who have been vaccinated. The address from the East Room of the White House began just after 8 p.m. and lasted about 25 minutes. It came exactly one year after former President Donald Trump speaking to the nation while seated in the Resolute Desk of the Oval Office announced temporary travel suspensions to the United States from Europe. Trump in that speech downplayed the threat of the virus and economy to st- and to people who are not elderly, claiming that the vast majority of Americans, the risk is very, very low. Biden's speech, in contrast, stressed the pandemic still presents a serious danger, even with vaccinations rapidly increasing. My fellow Americans, you're owed nothing less than the truth, Biden said. On July 4th, with your loved ones, is the goal. But a lot can happen. Conditions can change, and scientists have made clear that things may get worse again as new variants of the virus spread. And now, with spring break coming up, scientists are worried about um, spikes again. Biden, without referencing Trump by name, blasted the prior administration for initially responding to violence with silence and allowing it to spread unchecked for months. That led to more deaths, more infections, more stress, and more loneliness, Biden said, before acknowledging nearly 530,000 people in the U.S. who died from COVID. Biden's speech also explicitly decried the rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans who have been attacked, harassed, blamed, and scapegoated during the pandemic. The primetime event came hours after Biden signed a law, the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, which is aggressively pushed for in Congress to pass during the first 50 days in office. The speech also came as the United States administered a record number of vaccines over the weekend. Um, the In terms of the bill, the plan includes unemployment aid, direct payments, tax credit expansion, vaccine distribution funds, and state and local government relief, among a range of other provisions. Democrats say households need relief to get through the coming months, while Republicans opposed it while contending it is too large for the moment. Um, the major pieces for the proposal were extends a $300 per week jobless aid supplement and programs making millions more eligible for unemployment insurance until September 6th. The plan also makes an individual's first $10,200 in jobless, in jobless benefits tax-free. The bill sends $1,400 direct payments to most Americans and their dependents. <laughs> The checks start to phase out at $75,000 in income for individuals and are capped at people who make $80,000. The thresholds for joint flyers are double those limits. The government will base eligibility on Americans' most recent filed tax return. It expends the child tax credit for one year. It'll increase 3600 for children under 6 and 3004 3, kids between 6 and 17. The plan puts about $20 billion into COVID-19 vaccine manufacturing and distribution, along with roughly $50 billion, sorry, into testing and contract tra- <laughs> tracing. Um, it adds $25 billion in rental and utility assistance and about $10 billion in mortgage aid. And it offers $350 billion in relief to state, local, and, gov- and tribal governments, actually. The, pro- the proposal uh, directs more than $120 billion to K-12 schools. It increases supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits by 15% through September. It includes an expansion of subsidies and other provision to help Americans afford health insurance. It offers nearly $30 billion in aid to restaurants. The legislation expands on employee retention tax credit designed to allow companies to keep workers on 
payroll. The, the, it passed the House by 220 to 211 margin without a single Republican vote. As the GOP argues, the job market has recovered enough to warrant little or no new stimulus spending. One Democrat, Rep Representative Jared Gold, Golden of Maine, opposed it. Democrats also approved the plan on their own in the Senate through a special budget reconciliation project process. So, um, in terms of the bill, what do I think? I think it's all right. I, I see the argument that Republicans are making, and I think it holds certain water. I just don't think it holds enough. I think, I get what they're saying. They're saying the economy's fine, the economy's fine. What about inflation? What about inflation? But my thing is, I don't think that's really going to be as big as a problem as we think it is. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I could be dead wrong. I, I'm not a huge economics person. That's why I kind of want to learn it a little bit more. But from what I do know, I, I'm not entirely sure if that will become a massive problem. Um, I think it will be helpful. I, I'm sure glad that we're going to be getting some extra money. I think that'll be nice. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot. You tell me. If you know, of course, tell me. Um, but based on what I'm seeing, I think this will be helpful. Um, I think there are plenty of Americans who need it, and I think it'll be, I think it'll be all right. Um, I think Republicans, I mean, obviously, Democrats are going to use it as a political point. They're going to completely drop the, it's important. They're going to use the fact that it was important and be like, we did it, we did. Vote for us, give us the power, guys. Um, they're going to use it as a political point, which is completely uh, destroys the whole point of doing it. But it's not like they care anyway. Um, and Republicans have been using political points against it instead of just going, I don't know, it might be kind of helpful because it's all about political superiority and ideological superiority. And they can't, they can't give up their ideological beliefs for what maybe, because your ideological beliefs aren't going to solve all the world's problems, but people don't want to believe that they're, they've been for better or for worse, whether or not I use this phrase, but They've been essentially brainwashed, manipulated for hundreds of years to believe that one ideology will solve all the world's problems. That's the dumbest prospect in the entire world, that one ideology will solve all the world's problems. What a stupid idea. But it's something we believe, it's something Republicans believe, and they won't give it up for the stimulus bill. So that's their fault. Um, but about the primetime address, I think it was good. I, I mean, I watched it. Not very many stumbles, which I'm... Sometimes I get a little scared watching him talk. I'm like, I'm worried he's going to die. But um, in terms of the address, it was fine. I mean, it was fine. I think he said some important things. Spoke out against um, uh, uh, Asian-American hate crimes, which is very unfortunate that that's on the rise again. Uh, unfortunately, white supremacy, if you're not aware, is apparently very, very high right now. In fact, it's at some of its highest levels since the Civil War, if not um, higher. But... Which is very unfortunate. It's a very stupid idea. One race will never be superior to any other one because your race does not make you anything. It does not matter. It's just a side effect of where your ancestors lived uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago. It literally means absolutely nothing. But white supremacists don't want to believe that. They're some of the dumbest human beings on earth um, to have such a stupid mindset. But, and unfortunately... Uh, our wonderful Asian American community in the United States is being used as the scapegoat. It's all your fault, stupid uh, Chinese person. I don't know. <laughs> like, obviously, that's like it's. I just I don't understand the mindset of of being a racist because it's stupid to me. 
Like, I don't... How could you be so dumb as to think anything racist ever? Like, you have to be near brain dead to think, yeah, th this makes sense. Let me attack this guy. Let me attack this guy, my neighbor, who's an Asian, be who's lived next to me my whole life, so I know they're American. And I'm going to blame them for the coronavirus, and I'm going to hurt them physically over it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, you have to be some... You have to be a new level of stupid to, to be a racist. But... Unfortunately, the Asian American community has been targeted because of this. And it's absolutely horrendous. And I'm glad the president called it out. I wish he would have actually been a little more vocal about it, actually. But so obviously that's bad. You're an idiot if you if you are gonna scapegoat your your fellow Americans just because they look different. Like how stupid can you possibly be? I cannot stress this enough. You have to be near brain dead to be even remotely racist and think, yeah, that makes sense. Um so that's all. That's what I have to say about that. But in terms of the the relief bill, I think it was good. There, I think that it went in certain places a little further than it needed to, but it's fine, I think. Um, and if problems arise, then I'll be proven wrong. We'll see. Um, and in terms of the primetime address, it was fine. Again, it brought up some very good important points. And uh, I really believe that maybe the country can get better. This is a good sign of, of hopefully hope for the United States. And ultimately, all I have to say about that is that there can be hope so long as we stand within reason. Uh, if we are able to continue to wear our masks, which I got a new one, if you're interested in seeing it, if we're able to wear our masks and get vaccinated, which obviously I think there should be some personal responsibility to that because um, like the, the Pfizer, or not the Pfizer, no, yeah, the Pfizer vaccine has not actually been approved by the FDA, which the press secretary to the White House lied about uh, on her, um, on the Facebook, which the White House's official Facebook shared. So that, unfortunately, the White House is lying about that. But the Pfizer vaccine's not been approved. So if you're wary about vaccines, don't take the Pfizer one. But as far as I know, Johnson & Johnson's been approved. They've gone through the necessary trials and they've been able to do that because they're... It's, it's kind of like a copy and paste from what I learned because um, I was very interested in that and someone was able to clear that up quite succinctly. And ultimately, what I would just recommend is, you know, continue wearing your masks, follow the guidance, and if it changes, don't call them hypocrites. Just understand that that's how science works. It changes because we learn new things. It doesn't change because we're moving a goalpost. Stop making everything about your political power and your ideology's ability to rule everything in the world. Give up on your dumb ideology and its ridiculous concept that it has to rule everything to save the world. That will never happen, nor should it. Uh, this, what's more important, is that we are doing our part to protect ourselves and more importantly to protect other people and to hopefully achieve herd immunity and to get back to the lives that everyone else so badly wants. I mean, frankly, I'm one of the few people that actually has enjoyed being forced to stay home all the time. But for the rest of you to get back to that life that you want back so badly, do your part and let's get through this. Let's get it over with. Come on. We're so close. We don't have time to get let our stupid desire to ideologically rule everyone else like a tyrant um, to get in the way of this. We're very close. We just have to get over this hill. So I think the president stated that quite nicely. So that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, I want to remind you to follow the Instagram. That's at under the stars pod. That's at U-N-D-E-R-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-S-P-O-D. That's at under the stars pod um, on Instagram. 
you can support the show by um, buying merch. It's uh, phone cases and shirts and mugs and uh, a hoodie and sweatpants and all sorts of fun stuff. Or you can buy my books, um, Yes Master or Broken America, in the shop section of the website. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, go ahead and like the video, I guess, if you've enjoyed that. Um, uh, or, or, or share it or whatever. Or do what you want to. It's a free country. Um, uh, but if you're interested, listen to the podcast on Spotify or Google Podcasts. Make sure to follow the podcast there. Um, it's very convenient if you're driving, if you're cooking, if, if you're doing something else, which I cook a lot and I like to listen to stuff while I cook music usually. But if you're cooking or doing, you know, it's just very convenient if you're doing work or something, throw in a pair of headphones or AirPods or something and pull the podcast up on Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I believe it's available just about anywhere. So make sure to do that. Thanks so much. So thanks for listening to the episode and uh, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.